Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. We welcome in a man that when he was on the mound had Mike Trout, Francisco Lindor, and Jose Abreu all shaking in their spikes. The host of Sorry We're Closed podcast, this dude was double trouble being able to touch 100 on the mound, but also downing some Jameson whiskey. We are talking to the Paulie D of pitchers, Mr. Patrick James Light. What's going on, man? What's up, guys? I absolutely love that there's a hour-long loop of one pitch of mine in, in my major league baseball career of me striking out Trout. Had you known that existed? Yeah, someone tweeted at me that they were going to do it. And now I don't manage my bar every now and again, but every now and again, I'll do that. And uh, it's, I've mandated it since that existed. I've mandated that that's on one of the TVs the entire night. <laughs> Just so every, I'm feeling down on myself, I can look up and be like, oh, I did that. Do you think you could watch an hour straight of it? Oh, definitely. I 100% could just sit there with a nice glass of scotch and watch watch that without question. It, it, it fills, with, fills me with glee. It's a I shame they it. don't show the other pitches. Yeah, well, they probably weren't that good. Even with that, <laughs> that wasn't that good either. That's borderline strike at best, but I'll take it. I just love the look on his face. But So <laughs> off your podcast, just before we kind of dive in your career a little bit, your handle on Twitter is sorry we're closed with only one R. Have you mm-hmm. tried to obtain that full Twitter handle, or are you just like I don't care? I haven't went for it. Uh, I try. I, if it, it wasn't available, obviously, but then yeah. I, I haven't made an attempt at it. Uh, I don't for, for whatever reason. I feel like they didn't. They haven't like tweeted in a couple of years or something. I, I haven't looked back, but uh, no, I don't. I don't care. I checked actually before we recorded, <laughs> and it's this dude named like Vulcan something, and <laughs> yes. they have one follower. I don't even see any tweets from them either. Exactly. So I I didn't make I didn't make any contact. When That's I read hilarious. your handle, I was like, "Sorry, we're close." <laughs> like in a Canadian accent. I was like, "Yeah, people won't recognize it too much, but whatever. Who cares?" That's funny. Uh, well, let's dive in your career. And growing up, we talked a little bit before the show. It I learned it's pronounced Monmouth County, not Monmouth. The N is silent. Is that correct? I, I always say mom. So maybe I'm saying it wrong too. My fiance like, scolded me for calling it that way. So oh. no, she, 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 must, she must be fucking with you. I've called it mom. <laughs> <the whole long. laughs> I'm see now. Now I'm believing you over her. Yeah. Right? Believe me. I am not. And there's no, it's not. Would she say it? How she say it? It's, the N is silent. So it's Monmouth County. Apparently. No, she, yeah. no, 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 absolutely not. I, you think sounds I almost you think she's screwing with me. She's either messing with you or I no longer allow her to say that she's from Monmouth County. <laughs> Because that is not how that's. I went to Monmouth University too. Like that's, like I have Monmouth in my blood. It's Monmouth. Okay, I, I'm going with Pat Light on this one. I love it. So, so we talk about growing up in Monmouth County, mm-hmm. and you had a 20 and 0 high school record, one five two ERA. My goodness. And yeah. Then you got. Some, uh, go ahead. No, I had a good high school career. What can I tell you? You were the big man on campus, man, and that led you to getting selected by the Twins, 28th round yeah. in the uh, 09 draft, but you chose to stay in the dirty jurors at Monmouth U. How come you decided to skip the draft? At 28th round, like, you don't really – it's not like they're, like, dying to have you in their organization. You know, they you know they thought I was worthy. I remember the, the, the scout, John Wilson, um, told me, he was like, hey, listen, you deserve to be drafted. You're good enough to be drafted. But we all expect you to go to uh, to Monmouth and, and continue your career, and then we'll see you in three years. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I would expect that too. Yeah, you have like a number in your head, which now looking back, my number for to sign would have been a terrible number to sign for. But uh, you have like a number in your head, you have like an idea, and then it didn't happen, so you decide to go to college. I mean, that makes sense, and you made the right call. I mean, Definitely. you uh, 
in your career there, you were 14 and 14, 384 ERA, 196 strikeouts from 2010 to 2012. And you were number 53 on Baseball America's preseason top 100 list of prospects. And you got set 37th overall pick to the Red Sox in 2012. What does it feel like getting drafted? I mean, that had to be super dope to know, like, all right, I'm going to Boston. Rich history there. What was that feeling like? It was awesome. I, the, the, going into it, like the goal for me was to be a first rounder. I try to get a, try to be a first rounder and try to be a millionaire. Like that was my thing. I wanted a million dollar sign bonus. And I wanted to be a first rounder. And then I was like, kind of like seemingly projected to go in the second round ish, like maybe some of the supplemental, but a lot of the second round, that's what my, my advisor was telling me. And then Boston had called me the day before and said they were looking at me at 31. Uh, and even the blue Jays, blue Jays, I think that year had like 15 picks in the first round. So it's something crazy. And they were talking about one of the picks and we, uh, the rest, I ended up calling me the day of and said that we're not doing 31, but what would you, what number would you take at 37? I told them a million and they, they took me. I was like, that. it was, it was, I mean, it was crazy. It's crazy to think. Cause I remember going into, into school. My best friend was my roommate. And I remember telling him that I wanted to be, I go to the Cape Cod league and I wanted to be a first rounder. And he thought that neither were possible from a guy coming at playing at mom. It's like such a small school. And so I proved his ass wrong. Your real question, what did you drink that night and how drunk did you get? You know, I had such a bit, I think, I don't think I drank. I had to have a drink. Maybe it was probably something like, like a Mike's hard lemonade or something. Nothing oh, crazy. A Mike's hard? What? So listen, my drinking prowess has come post-college. It is not, <laughs> when I was in college, like I was drinking like SoCo lime shots and like nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, you drink like Keystone Light, like the cheapest beer you could think of. Yeah. Like it was all shit. And then I went to I went to Cotland, like went to Pro Ball, and slowly but surely I started. I don't have a sweet tooth in any capacity. And so slowly but surely I started asking my parents what they drank straight because that's what I was like. I was preferring that, and they told me scotch. So I I started drinking that. But I also had such a big plan for a party. I was pretty sure I was going in the first round, going into the day one draft. Uh, I had such a big plan, a party planned. Uh, for the next day that like I didn't want to be hung over for it. Like I wanted to wake up at 9 a.m. and have a drink, which is what I did. So uh, I was ready to go. You can ask your fiance, Dave, about uh, about Barre. It's phenomenal. I actually went there uh, for New Year's Eve a few years ago. And uh, it, it has like sand and stuff like on the sides of everything yeah. too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where I went for my job party. I showed up like an asshole. I showed up in like a Hummer <laughs> stretch limo. With like seven of my buddies, and it's keep in mind, guys, it's it's beat the clock. So it's it started starts at seven o'clock. It starts quarter beers. I'm showing up in a Hummer limo to quarter beer night. Like oh it was the most God. asshole move. Yeah, it's, it's like dangerous. the most asshole move I've ever done in my life. But it was a lot of fun. How many people were with you that night? I I remember between like seven and ten people were in the limo with me. Um, and then it, you know obviously the crowd like it's it's Monmouth, so Monmouth County. So like I know a lot of people. So like people started like friends started joining tables and joining like my table and stuff like that. And like it ended up being like one huge party, uh, which was a lot of fun. But I actually had to wake up the next day at like I think it was four thirty in the morning. I had to wake up to go catch a flight to Boston for a physical. And I was so drunk. And I, the, I think I was still hammered when I was getting my MRI in Boston. Like it was, it was another level. Oh my god, that's great! I mean, it led up to things going pretty well in the beginning for you. You literally, after uh, three seasons in uh, in twenty fifteen, you started throwing out the bullpen, and your numbers skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of different because you were a starter at to that point your whole career. What was it kind of like? 
transitioning to the bullpen because obviously it worked out really well because your numbers just completely just went crazy. Yeah, it was it was it was a transition that uh, they had actually talked about in the draft. That they 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 even thought that that's where I'd end up anyway. So it was kind of like something I was expecting eventually. Um, being thrown there, they they made me a reliever like a week and a half left in spring training. So I was I was preparing to be a starter the whole year and then the whole spring training and then with a week and a half left before we break camp, they were said you're going to be a reliever and you're going to you're going to Portland Double A and Double A in the baseball player's mind is kind of like when you've made yourself official like okay you were good at baseball like you weren't a guy that just got drafted and kind of bounced around and you know whatever like when you made the Double A okay you were you were a good player so like that was always like a goal for everyone that's like the one of the benchmarks for people. So I was going to a new play, a new, uh, you know, a new level, one of the, the highest level I've ever been to and completely different role a week and a half into trying to learn it. Uh, it was a little scary, but I was like, it was exciting because like Ben Sherrington, who was the GM at the time was like down at the minor league fields watching me. Like it was, which never happens. He doesn't go to the minor league fields. So like it was down there watching me. Like everyone that was important was watching me every single day. And then, you know, Boris Corp starts swarming now. And Boris is like, well, why are you guys watching him so much? And now there's like rumors start flying about how quickly they want to bring him to the big leagues that year. It was it was like a whirlwind of emotion. Yeah. And I actually read it was it was you and Matt Barnes that were kind of together, right? Kind of going through that. And that you guys got called up kind of similar timing. Matty got called up the year before, but he had just like just gone through that same process I had gone through. So like he did the year prior to me, but like it was almost identical processes. He started a little bit in, in Portland, which I never did, but it was like almost identical processes. So he uh, he was actually very helpful through that the whole thing. And the one thing that I don't believe he does that you do is you could touch a hundred. What's it like actually being able to just rock it out a hundred? Like I top out probably about fifty five. <laughs> so, so what's that like? Honestly, it's awesome. Like, I still have no clue how guys hit the ball at 100 miles an hour. Like, I'm throwing the ball. I don't even see that. Like, when I when I used to throw 100, like, I wouldn't see it until it had hit the mitt. And you don't pick. I don't pick up the ball. I'm throwing it. So, like, I don't understand how they're doing it. But it's to have it in your back pocket is such like fastball was not the reason I got to the big leagues. It was my splitter. But having 100 in the back pocket, where now the hitter essentially I forced them into a guessing game. They have to guess which pitch is coming because they can't sit split and expect to catch up to the hunter. But the, and they can't be all out on the hundred and expect to be able to even touch the splitter. So getting those hitters into that kind of guessing game of which one is he think gonna fucking throw, it helped me tremendously as far as and my strikeout numbers fucking went through the roof uh when I went to, when I started relieving. Yeah, and when you can touch a hundred, I mean that's speed variance because a lot of pitchers I feel like their fastball tops out 94, 95. You add an extra five miles per hour, you know put that in with your splitter and you're right. It really is a guessing game. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was, it was, it was just so useful to be able to, anytime you get the kid or up there guessing uh, it's, you know, you, you pretty much have, you're not, you're not going to hit a home run if you're guessing up there, unless you absolutely sell out on a pitch. But most times people are guessing they're kind of unsure of the entire at bat. And that's what you want as a pitcher. So I teach high school PE and we have one of the pitchers that was on our team. He was topping out about 70. And we would, when we would do like, any kind of game where he's throwing a ball, like a, a you know, a, we would do not dodgeball. We're not allowed to play that anymore, but kind of versions of it, if you will. Right. And when he would throw it, everybody would get out of the way because he throws so hard. So were you that kid in like PE class that you could? Like, everybody was like, "I'm not." Anytime he throws, I'm not getting near him. Oh yeah, I lo- first off, why are you not allowed to play dodgeball anymore? Because we're against, soft. It's against the rules. Apparently, it like it's 
it's not even because people get hurt. It's because it discourages picking teams and competition, that type of thing. It's it's so stupid. Yeah, I'll, I'll go over that. We won't we won't get into <laughs> views on that. But uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was the guy. I like anytime, anytime. Like as a kid, you just love. You first of all, you love to show off. You love to show off with. You know, I I went to an all boys school, which I, mean, I don't think we ever really played dodgeball, but. Like in middle school and stuff like that, uh, yeah, you're just I'm just out there trying to throw the ball absolutely as hard as I can at someone's face and <laughs> try to make them cry. It was like the best best time when any time dodgeball was up in the in the gym. You were always first pick, I assume. I was usually a captain. They oh, usually, yeah, yeah, they, they were usually because they usually put, pick people that uh, from my from what I remember that kind of had an idea of what they were doing. Yeah, uh, as far as like who they wanted to pick for their teams instead of just someone random who didn't want to play at all. Uh, because that's how like, I don't know if it's still that way, but then when I was a kid, like Jim was like split up between kids who loved it and kids who did not want to be there in any capacity. <laughs> <laughs> so they usually pick guys that wanted to be there. Was it the kids that didn't want to be there, dude? Because right now we we kind of put them in a, a fit lab where they just sit on exercise bikes. What did you guys do? <laughs> what world? You, they go on a fit lab and just that's run what it's called, the fit lab. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, they were forced to play. They, it was gym. Like this was the class. You can't like not like social studies and then just go to some social studies lab and do nothing. Like you had to, you had to be a part of it. So they, there was, they, I mean, sometimes I guess they would like fake issues and like sit on the bench. But uh, most of the time, like if you were there, you had to play. Pat, did you take it easy on the fat kids that just stood in the corner? Did you still throw that same heat at them? Oh, if you were in the field of play, you were fair game. I don't care how how, how little you're trying. I am going to try to smoke you. That's awesome. I think I need to uh, teach the kids kind of how you were taught because uh, yeah, make, <laughs> make it fired in today's game. That's true. Uh, but going back to your baseball stuff, you talked about that splitter and how it kind of helped make you a little bit more successful because that pitch became so valuable to you. Do you use baseball savant or did you ever heard of baseball savant? No, I'd never even heard of it. So it's this site that like Pretty much, it's a lot more advanced now than it was, but it tracks, I think, all the way back to 2015. And you can see everything. It talks about your the exit velocity off the, the bat, off your pitches. It talks about launch angles, hard hit percentages, like your K percentage against guys. It talks about your entire arsenal, how often the percent-wise you threw four-seamers, split sliders. Like it, it's, it's crazy. It's literally like everything about your you and you're like on a, a player page it's pretty dope please what's it say about me uh so it has <laughs> your fastball in 2016 had a 382 batting average against shocker your slider <laughs> had a 455 average oh against. my slider is dog shit <laughs> your split finger though had a 138 batting exactly. average listen guys let me tell you guys a fucking story when i was in pittsburgh <laughs> They were, we had like a, we had, they were huge analytical people because they, they, they're, well, part of them are, most of them are idiots. But um, in Pittsburgh, we had like a guy that would just go in and dive into stats like this, right? Yeah. So I had lost at this time. In Boston, I had command of my, my fastball, but it was still, like I said, it's like a setup pitch. It's not a good pitch. And um, my slider, I never fucking threw, but Christian Vasquez was, was in love with it for some reason. <laughs> And had me throw, you know, why I gave up 17 runs against the fucking angels that year is <laughs> because Christian Vasquez kept throwing my damn slider and he wouldn't let me throw anything else. So my slider, by the way, it's just like a fucking spinner. It doesn't do anything. But 
anyway, we won't get into that. I like Christian Vasquez, but <laughs> so we, I played against, I played for the Pirates, and I was lost command of my fastball. It wasn't good. It was very sporadic. I lost confidence in it. I still threw really hard, but it was like a once in a while like pitch that it was, it was almost going to transition into a secondary pitch for me. And so I, I told the guy, the statistician, whatever, he, look up these stats. I go do my splits on my splitter and on my um, my fastball, righty lefty, do it all. And he brought came back and it was like something crazy. My splitter people were batting like one ten on, uh, like lefties were batting like 058. and then and then uh, my fastball people were batting like three thirty. And I went and I brought this information. And I brought it to my pitching coach. I brought it to my pitching coordinator. I told him to go tell the GM, like all this stuff. I go, this is what I'm looking at. I am now throwing like 80% splitters. <laughs> and like, that's just going to happen. Like I, my fastball sucks. Like it's a great pitch to throw in there to keep them off my splitter. But even when they're guessing my splitter, they have no chance. And so they can wholeheartedly disagreed, hated it. I just told them to go fuck themselves, and I kept doing it. I love my it. First, my first appearance in AAA uh, when I started this, I forget where it was, but I threw, I think I threw nine pitches, three strikeouts, end of the game. I, I was like, just, and literally just split, 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 split. It was, <laughs> it was an impossible pitch to hit. And they hated it. And after about, I'd say about a month of us going back and forth and us disagreeing, they ended up uh, trading me to the Mariners, which is where my career died. But, uh, that was I, I know those stats. Like, I knew how good my splitter was. And I was like, I, why don't I just throw every fucking time? And they were like, no, you can't do it. You throw 100. You got If I threw 89, they wouldn't have cared. But because I threw 100, they were like, no, you must throw 100. And then it was like, oh, well, you guys have so much expertise. You're the last in the NL Central every fucking year. <laughs> but yeah, let, let's listen to you guys. So, so that was, I have a question about that. So like, if they see that you're having success against it and you just say like, fuck you, I'm, I'm throwing all splitters and you do that on the mound. Are you going to, if you get three strikeouts and, and win the team, the game, are they going to like pull you oh, aside yeah. and, and chew you out? So that's the thing is they wouldn't chew you out because it wouldn't work. Like, like at my, at, when you get to triple a, especially if you have big league time and you've been triple a for a few years, like they're never going to yell at you because you're just going to tell them to go fuck themselves. Like you're not yeah. like a younger guy anymore where you can kind of like boss them around. Like, right. I'm just going to tell you to go fuck yourself and I'm going to, I'm going to do what I think is best for my career, which is what I did. Um, but I remember I had a uh, I had a meeting uh, in the in left field out in Columbus, Ohio, and I told the pitching coordinator and the pitching coach, and I was like, "This is my thoughts." I was like, "It's going to be hard for you guys to convince me otherwise when these numbers are so skewed in one direction." And they were just like, "We think you're wrong, like all this stuff." And AAA, keep in mind, they don't give a shit about winning. All they want to do is develop the guys so they're ready for the big leagues. So what their thought process is like, yeah, okay, you'll work. This will work in AAA, but when you get to the big leagues, it won't work. I was like, I've already seen it work in the big leagues. I've been there. Like, and they just, they were not having it. And eventually there was something that had happened that they needed a 40 man spot. And I, I was like, ah, I know I'm the guy. Like you're obviously, we don't agree on anything. You're definitely going to, you're definitely going to DFA me and trade me away, uh, which they eventually did. It's kind of interesting too, because we had a couple guys that played on the pirates on the show and they all have not been shy about trashing them. Like they mm-hmm. have, and like, I, I know, Ray Searage's name has been thrown around some like it's it's bad like I'm like if, if you're coming on this amateur podcast and telling us how bad like you it must really have been bad there it, 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 the pirates you know they were good people like I liked Clint Hurdle I liked Ray Searage um, again I didn't have too much in, in, in involvement with them like I, I never made it to the big leagues for Pittsburgh I got traded before that yeah. um, but they were very nice people they did try to help you they wanted to help you um, they just were so stuck in their ways uh, and and the thing that I hated, and this is what you I hate constantly in pro ball, and what you don't realize unless you've gone through it, is that a lot of the guys you're listening to, 
you know, they've never, they've never done what you're trying to, to accomplish. And it's hard. Like I, I, as much as I love my pitching coordinator in Boston, he never made it to the big leagues as a pitcher. So like at certain times, like that starts making you guess what second guess them because you're like, well, I'm trying to do something. You never, how would you know how to do that if you've never done it yourself? And it was the same thing. Like I'm listening to guys. Like I remember listening to like a pitching coordinator or someone with Pittsburgh that was like, never made it past a ball. And I'm like, I'm already two levels past it. I've been to the big leagues and you're going to tell me that my splitter isn't a guy. You don't know what works in the big leagues. You've never been there. Mm-hmm. So like, it was a constant battle uh, with those guys. And like you said, like it was like even Boris Corp was like, after I had retired and everything, they had called me because I'm so friendly with the guys. And one of the, my guy that was with Boris that, that helped, that was mainly the person that handled my stuff. He called me. He's like, yeah, man, like we got in a conversation. He's just like, I, you, I was pumped for you to get traded to the, like, to get picked up by another team in Pittsburgh. But I, I absolutely was not excited that you went to Pittsburgh. Like they have always been what's called the pirate way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's shit. It's what it is. It's a boot camp, and it's absolute dog shit. Uh, and Ben Sherrington's there now though. So I think it'll change because uh, Ben's awesome. But uh, it, originally it was, it was shit. The pirates organization sounds like it was a bunch of boomers. Yeah, it was, it was people that, but it was, again, you're talking about guys that never have, I'm, I remember talking to the GM, I forget his name, really nice guy. I don't know if he ever played baseball in his life. Like it was so analytical. And I was like, how can you tell me how to be successful in something you've never even done? Like it, it was so, it was so analytical, so regimented on how you do this, this, and this. Like I remember going there on like a week into spring training, Garrett Cole, me and me and Garrett talking, and Garrett being like, "I cannot wait to get the fuck out of Pittsburgh." Like, I couldn't, <laughs> like, like he was furious about it. And then I remember hearing a story. I have no confirmation on it, but I remember hearing a story that when he finally got traded out of Pittsburgh to Houston, he was actually at dinner and bought like the most expensive bottle of champagne, popped a bottle of champagne, like was, was so happy about it. And that's how most people are when they get out of Pittsburgh because it's been a shit show. I see like you know, Jamison Tyon just got traded and mm-hmm. he seemed pretty pumped to be in New York. And you see all these guys get out of there. And yeah, it seems like they're always super excited. They're always making sure they're how happy they are. They're at their new place. So I, I definitely see that for sure. I guess the ballpark doesn't do it enough. No, I mean, the ballpark's sick. I never made it there, but the ballpark's sick. But it's like, you know, you're, you're losing James, Jameson. You lost Garrett Cole, Tyler Glass now, like. Austin Meadows, like you guys had studs and you weren't able to make it work. Like that tells you something. And thankfully they are getting rid of people and they got rid of the GM and they got brought in Ben Sherrington. Now they're getting rid of these guys. Like, because yeah, you, you got great players and you fucked it all up. Like it is. And I wasn't one of the great players, but they got something (laughs) in there. I was like, you guys really fucked this. What, um, so you obviously played big league games for Boston and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You struck out Mike Trout with Boston. Did you get the ball from that? No, no, I was, we were, you, you guys are Boston people, aren't you? Are you from the area? Baltimore. No, no, Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I didn't get the ball. Unfortunately I was, I was getting lit up so bad. I didn't, I barely even realized I struck out Mike Trout until like later on. And then like, uh, when I started doing some of Barstool, uh, that's when they started being like, you, you realize you struck out like possibly the greatest player of all time. <laughs> and I was like, huh, I did do that. And then like, we just, and now it's been like my thing. Like I post, I post my strikeout with against Mike Trout, like every other day on TikTok. <laughs> so, so it's my thing now. I love so, it, but go ahead, Eric. So Pat, you struck out Mike Trout. That's your claim to fame. There was a hitter that went 0 for 3 with three Ks against you. Do you know uh-huh. who it is? Yes. Todd Frazier. Oh, I thought I was going to stop you with that. Uh-huh. No, no, because Todd's from from Jersey. 
He's a uh, he, he, he from uh, Ocean County, actually. I think I think Tom's River is in Ocean County. Uh, from Tom's River, went to Rutgers. Like I knew Todd Frazier as a kid, like growing up watching like the Frasers, because uh, his whole family was good. Uh, and yeah, I knew he went. He like knew my my baseball coach from college, so like I knew I was all up in that guy's dome. Like <laughs> I had, like I had no chance. Uh, and he was just coming off the home run derby year, which was sick. Uh, but the guy swings at everything. So like, he's like a mistake hitter. If you think he's going to swing at every pitch you throw, if you leave one down the middle, it's going to go over the over the over the fence. You just don't do it. Leave it down the middle. Yeah, I checked. I think he only took two balls in those three at bats. So you got him pretty quickly. <laughs> that was the best thing about my splitter is you just threw it right down the middle. So every pitch then then just drops off the table. So like every pitch looks like my fastball and looks like it's coming right down the middle. It's hard not to swing. I get that. Uh, yeah, he he struggled against me. He's a fairly nice guy though. That's hilarious. That when you the reason I know you very well is because I'm a big Twins fan. So I remember when you got traded to Minnesota for Fernando Abad, and I was like, "Oh man, Pat Light, hundred miles an hour. This man is going to be our closer." I was like, I, I got super pumped about it. Felt like they didn't give you enough of a fair shake. What was? How do you feel about your time in Minnesota? Well, for, I loved Minnesota. Like that was a really cool time for me. And again, it was my most big league time. So although I, I'm probably more known for Boston now because of Barstool and that stuff. Uh, Minnesota, like it was like, uh, holds a really dear spot in my heart because like Minnesota again was like my most big league time it was the most ch- chances I've ever received to kind of stick in the big leagues. The problem was they were going through a GM change. Like they had fired their GM. They, uh, they gave uh, the assistant GM, the, the interim job, who was the guy who traded for me and they had known me from high school. Uh, so they were, he was in the scouting department when, when I was, uh, when I was getting drafted out of high school. So he was already fond of me. Uh, and then like three or four weeks later, they, they, they canned them and they brought in these two new guys. Who are the new, new guys now? It's Thad Levine and, yeah. um, I forgot I the other guy's name. I don't know name, but they came in and I was just like, I was like, all right, now I got to pitch well. Little did they know I'd thrown like so much, so much prior to them coming in and they kept throwing me. I mean, there was, I remember there was one stat, my brother texted me, he goes, you know, in the last 15 days, you've thrown more than Andrew Miller. Like Andrew Miller at the time was with the Indians. They were in a playoff spot. Like they were, he was throwing every fucking day. And I was like, if I'm throwing more than Andrew Miller, there's a huge problem. I'm on the worst team in baseball. Uh, <laughs> and my shoulder was bummed out. I couldn't do it anymore. That was where the infamous intentional walk, bad throw came. Like all this stuff started coming. And I was just like, like if they have to make a decision, like I'm going to have the, I'm the only one in the room that doesn't have someone fighting for me. Like everyone else came through the system. Like they have their scouts, they have their, their minor league coordinators. They all love these guys. And then if they need, they, if it's down between a few people, if I'm in that group, no one in the room is going to be fighting for me. No one knows me. So I was like, I know I'm probably going to be the net Latin, you know, the next guy out. And sure enough, they call me as I'm at baggage claim, waiting to go to spring training. They're sitting in Fort Myers, far by baggage claim. And my agent calls me to get a DFA. I was like, Oh my I'm God, I'm here. <laughs> so I ended up going to Miami. That was a fun couple of days. <laughs> Way, way to make the best out of a shitty situation, I, dude. I had to. It was. I, it was. It, you know, luckily Boris Corp has like a facility down South Beach where you can work out and do stuff. So I was down there doing that, and uh, I had I had fun after my like two hours of working out at the facility. The rest of the time was was a blast. Yeah, I mean, and dude, regardless of how much you were in the big leagues, you pitched in the big leagues, which is super dope. Ninety nine plus percent of the world's never going to do that, so that's that's something that, again, regardless of how you're long, you're there, you can always hang your hat on. But you jumped into now our territory, and you're doing something more mainstream with podcasting, YouTubing. You contribute to Barstool. 
You even got some videos on your YouTube channel of like how you landed your girlfriend and hot takes you got. So I love all that. How did you decide to get into that kind of that that world of media? You know, I I love talking. Um, so that's the first step. And then uh, Jared just kind of reached out. Um, and I don't remember whenever I stopped playing, we had started becoming friends when I had left Boston, actually, not even when I was in Boston. And uh, Jared had reached out and started talking to me about stuff. And then like he randomly DM'd me on Twitter and goes, Hey, listen, we're doing a podcast right now. Can you jump on? And I was at my parents' house and I was like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, it's Barcelona, let's jump on. So jump on. And then they, they had me tell the, the angel story, which is my infamous story now of how bad I pitched that day. Like went through I love the that story. <laughs> yeah, that's the most, that's my most famous story now. So I told that story and it, ever since then, they've always wanted me to do stuff with them. And then the relationship has built. And then during the, during uh, the pandemic, you know, we were talking about Barcelona me coming on a little more permanently over there, but things fell through the pandemic. It's, it's a shit show. So, um, I didn't want to just sit on my hands and do nothing because I, I have two restaurants here in Hoboken. Both were closed, obviously. And there was nothing for me to do. And uh, I wanted, I was like, I'll start a podcast. Let's see how I go. And so here I am now, six months later, um, and still doing it. Killing the game. I mean, you got, I saw you go, you got a producer doing the stuff for you. Mm. We're, uh, we're still not at that. We're still working for ourselves. We don't, we haven't been able to, uh, make enough money to pay. I'm not making enough money to pay a producer, either, but I'm doing it because Miranda's awesome. And, uh, she had come on at a time where I'm like, a, I just actually had her on as my guest on my last episode. And I, I'm like a perfectionist in certain ways. I yeah. put something on my social media that I thought sucked. Uh, so I needed someone because I can't do it. So, um, she had an internship fell through. So she, you know, did it with me and then it just kept going. It's just been awesome. So she's, she's been great. Yeah. I mean, that's again, you've been killing it. I mean, you're like what, almost 60 episodes in now? Something yeah, like that? Yeah. I think she was 58 or 50. She, yeah, 58 or 59. Uh, 60's coming up. I, I can't believe I've done it. There was a stat, by the way. I don't know how many episodes you guys are in, but there's a stat that gets, if you get past like episode two, or if you like produce a third episode, you're in the top 1% of podcasts in the world. Wow. We're in the top 1% of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Al, yeah. you're making us feel good right now. Oh, yeah. it, it, it's crazy when you think about it. Most, like 99% of podcasts don't make it past two episodes. That's wild. It is wild. So you're, you're, we're all in the top 1%. I can't is wait this, to see what you're going to do for the 100th episode. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't thought of it that far. I'm just trying to get to 59 or whatever I'm on right now. Uh, I'm actually recording my next ep- my next episode right after this one. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I, I wonder what we'll do. I'm trying to do some cool stuff in Boston this year. Uh, it went, it hopefully, it reopens. It looks like we're going to get a little bit more reopening. Uh, so hopefully with that, I'm going to try to do some more things in Boston because that's where Miranda's up by that way too. So uh, I'll be able to do a lot more cool stuff up there. Oh, yeah, that'd be dope. I, I I think the best part about all this is getting to meet all the people that you wouldn't normally get to meet, right? Like obviously ha- us having a conversation right now, We've I think we've probably talked to now close to 20 guys and it's just like, like, 10 years ago, this wouldn't be possible. And like, you know, you connecting with some of the guests that I know you've had, it's just harder if, if you didn't have this platform to be able to, to talk with them. You know, it's kind of cool, isn't it? Twitter is amazing that it's free. I, I say that a lot because like, you know, we connected on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Right? There are, there are so many ways to get a hold of people. Uh, you know, I had a New York Times bestselling author on my podcast. Like I had the people I've had on here. I'm just like, what? Like, why? how did I pull this off? 
And it's probably the same way with you guys. You're like, how, how did these things happen? And it's Twitter. Like my my DMs, I, I have a I have a lot of people that have DM me to try to go on podcasts. I just don't always, always have the time. Um, but and sometimes I'll just go through them and I'll I'll go click one and be like, yeah, hey guys, sorry, it took me so long. Let's do it. And like, and we'll move. But uh, it's amazing how you can get really cool people on your podcast just DMing people on Twitter or engaging with them on Twitter. Like it's really easy. What made me stand out? For you to answer me, <laughs> you know, hold on, let me go to my Twitter account. Yeah, yeah. Did you tweet at me first, or did you DM me? I don't even. Rem- I I know I DM'd you. I you DM me in July. I didn't answer. Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> and then you do- you 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 double texted me and went in December fifteenth. Oh, I'm bad. I'm bad. You okay, yeah, David? You are a thirst. I am. <laughs> and he, okay, you might have some time to come on an episode of our pod. Would be super dope. Blah blah. blah. And then I said, let's connect after the new year. I, I answered that one. Uh, so you must have, you honestly, it probably was right place, right time. You probably just DM me at a time where I was, I was looking at my, my Twitter and I was, you know, not really doing anything at the time. And then it took me three more texts to respond to the next one. My apologies. Um, <laughs> and then we got together. I said, oh shit, sorry. And then we, and now here we are. So yeah, so it probably, honestly, it was probably right place, right time of just, uh, you know, you happen to be doing it. You happen to DM me right as I'm like sitting there, not doing much, but on Twitter. And I was like, oh, I should. And then if I see like someone has DM me a few times and I haven't answered them, I feel like a piece of shit. Cause I'm not, it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't know what, it, uh, I'm not Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. I'm not like, I'm not even huge where like it's understandable. Like if someone's DM, I answer the people. Uh, so I, I felt like an asshole probably and I answered you. I was going to hope you were going to say like, oh, you seem like a really cool dude. Like, nah, your pictures man, you seem like a piece of shit, honestly. <laughs> There's nothing about you that I like so far. So <laughs> people are learning. I'm just a thirst that I'm just a. Seriously, <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm all here for this row session of my brother. <laughs> hey, it worked. It worked, man. I, there's been plenty of DMs I've thrown out there. I'm the same boat, guys. Plenty of DMs I've thrown out there. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if I should have said that or I shouldn't have said, you know, what are you, what are you kidding me, Pat? You're DMing this person. <laughs> like, and, but then it works. Next thing you know, you have a fucking cool ass person on your podcast and you're like, oh, you know, that was totally worth it. No one knows about the DMs unless Pat brings them up on, on, yeah, on I'm exposed now. Yeah, you're exposed. People always ask you, like, how do you get all these athletes? It's like, oh, you know, it's just right place, right time. You know, I think it's all behind the scenes now. Yeah. And it's now a DM world. DM world. Listen, I'm in the same boat. I do the same shit. So it, it's not, I, you have to. If you want people on your podcast, how else are you going to do it? Wouldn't it be cool though, if they allowed you to actually delete the DM, if they didn't like respond to that way, you could delete it right back a few months later and then act like it's your first time. <laughs> I would be funny. However, the person might pick up on it because you do like they, I, I mean, they don't send me notifications if you know, they do. Yeah. I think they, they do. do send me a notification if I get a DM. Um, I, cause I turn off my DMS, I my notifications on all the social media sites. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think I get like an email or some shit. Something weird. <laughs> yeah, something weird. And I'm just like, okay, leave, leave me alone. Like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this right now, Twitter. And then I go to that, my other emails, whatever. But um, it, 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 I think I'd pick up on it if someone was just kept deleting and resending a new thing every like four months. It's a good way to get attention. And, and listen, eventually you might get me. When we're talking with Pat Light, Mike, Mike Trout, strikeout extraordinaire. Extraordinary. And so, Pat, we like to get our guests out of here with a little triple play rapid fire. You game? Yeah, sure. So, so first one. And these questions might be a little funky, just so a heads up. Probably some you've never been asked before, right? Okay. So I'll start off easy with the first one. Throw a no-hitter or make the all-star team? Uh, no-hitter. 
No hesitation. All right. No, no, not even close. I care less about the All Star game. <laughs> I'd rather my three days off. All right. Fart loudly every time you meet someone or have your mouth smell like garlic all the time. <laughs> uh, fart loudly every time I meet someone. This, so does that mean, like, say I've already met you, Dave? Yeah. Second time around, am I still doing it? Every time you meet me, you got it. You're farting around okay. me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It's a big ask. And no matter how much gum I chew, it's garlic. Yep. Son of a bitch. Well, in, in pandemic times, wearing a mask would have helped this, this question. Uh, but for the rest of my life, I think I'm still uh, farting loudly. I'm just going to see if I can cough every time I meet someone. <laughs> <laughs> what a loophole. But always finding loopholes. All right, well, uh, you're, there's no loophole out of this one. Yeah. Would you rather fight? Mike Tyson or talk like Mike Tyson the rest of your life? After the fight with Mike Tyson, I might talk like Mike Tyson for the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> that might be both. Um, I would rather fight. Oh, God. I'd rather fight Mike Tyson. Yeah, I can't. Just, I'd rather with the one day of pain. Just t- So we had Danny Woodhead on yesterday, okay. and he was saying that he was like, look, I took enough hits. I'll just take that one fight with him, just get knocked out or whatever. That's the same mentality you have. Just like, I'll take that one beating and then just. Yeah. I'm going to run around the ring the entire I'm going to waste clock on that on that little on the, it'll go 12 rounds. He won't catch me for the entire it'll be the worst fight you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> 12 rounds. I'm going to be in there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh all right. Mike Trout go 0 for 3 with 3 Ks against you or you get a save with 0 Ks. Mike Trout over 3 3 Ks. But you, so you don't but don't get the save though. You don't want the save statistic on your uh, save. He struck out. He struck out Mike Trout once, and he's talked about it every other day. Imagine he struck him out three times. Think about the content I could have. That wouldn't be just one pitch on that that hour loop. It would be a three hour (laughs) loop with three different pitches. I love that. Would you rather go a month wearing a cape or wearing an eye patch? Hmm. Um. An eye patch. And I can explain an iPad. I can't explain a cape. I look like an, I'm not <laughs> Superman walking to work. I, no, I got a. I, I wear an iPad. You could say you're a superhero that struck out Mike Trout. I am. I could. I mean, I guess now that I have a girlfriend, I don't really care what girls think of me. But uh, that would be a tough one to explain if I'm walking around with a cape on. Like, the, who the hell is this guy? Run a month long special at your bar. If you wear a cape when you walk in, you get like a discount or something. <laughs> Make everyone wear capes. <laughs> and you wouldn't feel as bad there. See, oh. I'm thinking for you. There you go. Uh, would you rather have an extra eye in your belly button or in your anus? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I got to say, my, my belly button. I, I don't want to see down there. Uh, so yeah, let's go belly button. I'd rather well, technically you'd be saying out, so you would just be seeing in between, like the outside. You wouldn't be like looking in. Yeah, but still, no, 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 no. I want nothing to do with that. I belly button, no questions asked. Final answer. <laughs> right. Would you rather have dinner with Samuel L. Jackson or Morgan Freeman? Morgan Freeman, no, no doubt about it. Morgan Freeman all the way. He, he would, he would, he would say some, some like you know, philosopher shit in that voice. And I would be, I'm good to go for the rest of my life. <laughs> would you rather have nipple sized fingers or finger sized nipples? <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about here? Uh, why did I ever agree to come on this podcast? Uh, I, what was, can you repeat the question? <laughs> finger sized nipples or nipple sized fingers? 
Since you're done playing, you don't have to worry about gripping a baseball anymore. So it's a whole different issue. Yes. Uh, so finger-sized nipples or nipple-sized finger, finger-sized nipples. I can hide those for the the general public. They be out like this, man. You look like you oh, have so they, like, they direction. Have sticking out, they can't be. I can't like tape them down or anything. I mean, I guess you could tape them. Like you could tape them down, be a little uncomfortable. I mean, when you have like my my, my, my <laughs> there gonna be nothing. I'm I'm gonna have the stubs. Uh, oh God, this is terrible. Uh, I guess this is the whole point of the questions. Um, oh God, no, I'm still going. I'm still going nipples. Still going nipples for the. Uh, I'll I'll go pointy if I have to. <laughs> I, what did I tell you? I said, this will be the first time you've probably heard these before. Yes, it is. Uh, last two for you. Okay. Fork, knife, or spoon for all your meals. Which one are you choosing? Fork, knife, or spoon for all my meals. Um, spoon. No. Pat, I was with you until now. Like, we were friends. Why would you choose? It's a fork. fork. No question. No. What if you try to get soup? You're never going to have the broth so, ever. Okay. Okay. So this is the one thing that spoon people bring up. You can yes, slurp. of course. It's, it's the most rational argument. All right. All right. So you can slurp spoon. You have a girlfriend. It's not like you need to impress anyone. Or like if it's really chunky, you can use a fork. But like – Well, the, the soups are only good if they're bring, chunky. What does the fork bring to the table the spoon doesn't? How are you going to cut your meat? This is the spoon. First off, a spoon and a fork don't have either, both have that little edge. You're just gonna have to use <laughs> every anything. The fork does not cut things better than the the spoon does. How are you gonna eat, eat pasta? Salad. Salad and pasta be tough. Uh, are you, you gonna, are you gonna try to pasta. scoop it? I, listen, if we're slurping, I'm slurping the pasta now. The salad, <laughs> the salad, be a pain in the ass. <laughs> okay, you might, you might, you might have convinced me on fork. There we you go. Know, there you're we go. right. I can lift the bowl for the for the broth portion of the soup. Uh, okay, I, I'll go. I, I changed my answer to fork. I'm on board. There we go. There we go. See, you convinced me. Us fork people were a cult. So anytime okay. someone says something different, we get very angry. I mean, has anyone ever chosen knife? Yes, because they were like, "How are you going to really cut steak? Like you there, can't." You put just... that. You put the question out on Twitter like a month ago, and then you got like what, like a hundred responses, and there were actually like a decent was, amount of knives. It, it was like a thousand responses, and like. 55% of the people said fork, like 40% said spoon, and like 5% said knife. And I was like, those how? People, those people are just assholes. That's what those <laughs> people are. Yeah. They just wanted to see the results. Yes. All right. This is the last one, the most important question. Do you pull your toilet paper from the bottom or from the top? Top all the way. Why? Why not? I like going under because I feel like I'm easier to control it. When you like go over top, it like sometimes spills over. And then I waste toilet paper. But if I can go under, it's easier to navigate. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think how I, how I grab toilet paper. Uh, I didn't realize there was a thought process behind it. Oh, 100%. No, so if you, but if you grab the toilet paper, like, you know, let's say, for example, sometimes you try to rip, but it doesn't always rip. And next thing you know, you have a, you have a whole plethora of toilet paper with you, but you yeah. don't want it a little bit. On top, that problem never occurs because you pull the toilet paper and then you can rip, but you can also use the secondary hand to hold the X name, boom, rip Johnson, take care of your business. If you go underneath, you can't reach underneath to get the portion that you need to get in order to rip it. That's just not that doesn't make any sense, Dave. Doesn't make any sense. I'm out on you. I guess you know what? You, I sold you on the uh on Gordon. the work. I, I guess you're kind of selling. I, I don't ever go over top. I always did under. It's like a new territory for me. You know, it's funny. Own. We're going to visit Pat's, one of Pat's restaurants, and we're going to order a salad, and it's going to come out with a spoon. 
you're getting one thing. That's all you're getting. I'm not giving you anything else. Oh, man. Are they both in Hoboken? Both the restaurants? Yeah, both in Hoboken. One's on, on uh, down by the path. Well, you guys don't know Hoboken at all, so I can't explain that. One's uptown, one's downtown. I'm going to have the fiance explain it to me since okay. she knows the Hoboken area pretty well. So she's been to Hoboken. Oh, yeah. She's very familiar with Hoboken. So I'll ask her if she's uh, familiar with Green Rock. That's the bar I own. That's the one that's been around for a while. The other place, if she hasn't been to Hoboken in a while, she might not know. It's uh, is that is now your restaurant like the the popular bar of the town? Like every uh, I took over uh, and it was already like probably the best bar in town. Uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted it, and it was like my favorite bar to go to when I was like uh, like a pl- when I was playing. Um, it's been around for twenty two years. Or no, 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 that's that's wrong. It's been around this this year will be its nineteenth year. Uh, so it's been around for a while. And I just happened to buy out the the majority stakeholder in the business because most of the people, the minority stakeholders, were friends of mine. Uh, so I just bought that guy out and I just kept it the exact same because it's a phenomenal business. Oh, well, you can expect two weird visitors from Baltimore making their way up there. Can't uh, wait. But Fat Man, really appreciate you. Your presence was an absolute present on the show. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to make sure the peeps know where they can find you on social media and anything you want to plug. Oh, I mean, it, uh, I think all my social is Pat underscore light, although I'm really trying to change that. I'm trying to <laughs> find Marty Mush just got his changed to just Marty Mush, and I'm so jealous of him. So I'm <laughs> trying to trying to figure out how to get the hell underscore out of there. But uh, yeah, for, for the time being, it's Pat underscore light at pretty much everywhere. Uh, and uh, listen to the pod. Sorry, we're closed. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good time. Is there a reason you introduce yourself as Patrick James Light on the pods, but then it's not in your Twitter handle? Uh, well, my, my whole life I've been known as Pat light. Um, but like people that are like close friends, really, really close friends of mine or family members all call me Patrick. Uh, so my little fun fact, my mother absolutely fucking hates people calling me Pat. Like hated it forever. Hated that the, any article you would ever read on me throughout my entire baseball career was always Pat. Like she went through like 20 years of pain. So I figured I'd start doing Patrick, uh, but I'm not changing any of my Twitter handle or my, any of my handles anywhere uh, to help her. What about Patty? Because my uh, fiance's uh, brother is named Patrick and they always just call him Patty. Oh, so he, they're a very Irish family. Yeah, yeah. I, I have uh, I've called myself a, my own nickname of Patty Westside. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I like that. I don't know if you guys are How I Met Your Mother fans. Yeah, he, he is. So, so Ted in the show gives himself his own nickname and he calls himself Teddy Westside in one of the episodes. Uh, so it's like he gave himself the nickname. So I took it on myself. Uh, and so I call myself Patty Westside every now and again. So that's the only time I ever do that. You and Jared should have a slap that. <laughs> oh I do not want to get slapped in the face, but that would be great content. Oh, man. Well, Patty Westside, really appreciate you, man. Uh, make sure you check out his podcast. Sorry, we're closed. Make sure you check out the YouTube channels. Awesome stuff. Tons of great content coming from us coming in 2021. So make sure you stay tuned for all that. Until then, we'll catch you all next time.